Bibles, if you wouldn't open to Genesis chapter 3. We'll get there in just a few moments. And uh, this morning, we're going to try to address one of the largest subjects, the entire scope of the Bible, God's plan through the ages. And of course, uh, we are beginning the Christmas season, and you can even occasionally, between Frosty the Snowman and I'll Be Home for Christmas, hear a hymn on Steinway Street. And uh, so... Uh, I'm not going to argue about that. Uh, I'd be the last one to criticize the world for playing gospel hymns on the street. Amen. Uh, the message of those songs is is still real. And, and, of course, people love to question things and they wonder, okay, why did Jesus have to be born and why... Uh, okay, he was born, that makes him a man. He can't be God and he can't be man at the same time. And... And, of course, this all comes from just not properly reading and understanding our scriptures. Uh, I don't know how many of you following what's going on in politics uh, today, uh, but they've already started attacking the candidates for the next time around. Um, they ask a fellow who is a, um, uh, an up-and-coming star, I guess he's uh, the governor or somebody from Florida, and his name is Rubio. How old is the earth? And he tried to answer the question. Of course, you can't answer their questions correctly. Uh, and they begin immediately the headlines the next day, whereas Rubio believes, hates science. He believes the Bible is true. Uh, I want to tell you something. The greatest scientist in history, many of them have been believers in this book called the Bible. And so, uh, just because you believe the Bible, you don't have to hate science. But what you do is, as you believe in God, you hate lies. There's a difference. I, I wish we had time, and we don't. We, we spent, oh, probably about 12 or 15 weeks on Thursday night going through in-depth about creation from the Bible versus evolution. And uh, there are just so many things that, that we could touch on today. And the, the title of the message, we're not trying to refute evolution here this morning. Uh, I don't believe that we ought to waste our time trying to refute something that was just simply made up. I just want to ask you a question. Uh, I have a watch here today. No, it's not a Rolex. It's not. It's just a cheap old Seiko, but it does work. And and, and uh, uh, but no one here would question the fact that this watch had a manufacturer. It's stamped right on the watch, and uh, uh, only the most foolish people would believe uh, that this watch got here by chance. Now, I hope we don't have anybody that would believe that because if you didn't take all the parts and make them fit exactly with each other and put them together in a way that they would work together, you wouldn't have a watch. Now, in the olden days, it used to be really big if you had an 18 or 23 jewel watch. 
Does anybody here even know what that means? Okay, there's a couple of us. But it simply was, instead of having metal against metal, they would put a, a uh, hard piece of stone, a jewel in there, and it would pivot in the jewel and keep the watch moving with much less fatigue and it would last a lot longer. The only problem is if you're like me, I can take one of those wind-up watches and put it on my wrist and the first day it stops telling time correctly and after about a week it will never work again. Uh, it just something, I, I guess I have a magnetic personality, I'm not sure about that. Uh, uh, but the simple truth is the best things eventually stop working now, don't they? But how many of you know the story of Lake Erie, just north of Cleveland, Ohio, and just east of Detroit, Michigan? In the 1970s, Lake Erie was pronounced dead. Detroit had been dumping its sewage and industrial waste into the lake for who knows how long at that point. To eat the fish out of Lake Erie was to put your health in danger. Well, some people got concerned and they stopped pumping sewage and industrial waste into the lake and they said it's going to take a hundred years for this lake to clean up. Do you know that one of the primary um, industries on Lake Erie today is fishing? Forty years later. Now, you're only supposed to eat so many meals of Lake Erie perch every month. Uh, uh, there's still some of that stuff in there, but the same thing is true of New York Harbor. It was an amazing thing. Once they stopped pumping all the stuff in, the lake cleaned itself up. Mother Nature at work, right? How about a creator at work? We look at the human body and say, we got here by chance. And yet your body is composed of over 10 trillion cells. And how many of you have ever slipped and stuck a needle in just a few of them in the end of your finger? How many of you got a splinter sometime? Do you know how few cells are disturbed in your body by a splinter? And yet, your whole body is concerned about those few thousand cells that are disturbed with a little tiny splinter. Uh, I've... Uh, being dead, it's my job to take care of those things. And they'll say, oh, dad, it hurts, you know, and so finally get that splinter out of there. Say, here, do you see it? No. Well, it's right there on the tweezers. Let me get a magnifying glass so you can see the splinter. I mean, just a few cells out of order can cause great problems. And yet it all got here by chance and my watch was made on purpose. Now, if that makes sense to you, uh, the only thing I know to do is say, I feel sorry for you. 
Your mind is not working. I met a guy on the street. I, I used that illustration. I said, this blade of grass growing up in the crack on the sidewalk has more complexity than the greatest building ever built by man. And yet you tell me that the world got here by accident. Well, that's your truth. No, it's a self-evident truth. You have to go to school. You have to be trained not to believe in a creator. Even the most backwards, untouched societies, they still worship something as God. Why? Because God, when he created us, look at uh, chapter 1 and verse 25, 26. And God said, let us, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, I know Hollywood has made several versions of the planet of the apes, uh, but I hope most of you still understand that's pure fiction. And uh, if you've ever read Gulliver's Travels, Mr. Swift, who wrote that book, had a great adoration of horses and believed that they should rule the world. Uh, Fortunately for us, that is not true. God put man in charge. And by the way, I hope you were reading careful enough there that God said, let us, plural pronoun, Make man in our plural pronoun image. By the way, if you could read Hebrew, it says the same thing in Hebrew. Somebody said, well, that's just God speaking figuratively for all creation. Uh, Excuse me, it wasn't finished yet. You think God was speaking for the angels? No, they weren't included in this conversation. God was talking about himself. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He created us in his plural image. Yet, one God. Now, I always like to ask this question because I, I believe God has an incredible sense of humor. If we try to stand us up here today, and as I look out, uh, do we have anybody here from Australia? Okay, we have five of the six inhabited continents represented here today. Okay, so we're, we're pretty close to all of the world being represented right here in this service. And if you will look around, there's quite a diversity uh, in the human genome represented here today in different shades of, uh, of, uh, of our skin and different facial features and physical features. We have tall people. We have short people. We have wide people. We have narrow people. I mean, we got all kinds of people here today. And yet, 
When a few men came together in 1776 and wrote that we behold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Do you know that the rest of the world went, you got to be kidding me. You actually believe that? Because in England, the rule of the day was the divine right of kings. That God had somehow made this special superhuman race. And of course, most of the English people had gotten over it. Uh, King George hadn't. There are still people out there that believe they are a cut above all the rest of us. They want to tell us how big our soft drinks ought to be. Isn't that true? Uh, Believe it or not, they're going to tell you how many times you can go to the doctor and when you can't and what you can get checked up for. That's scary stuff to me. Because God created all men in his own image. And the greatest experiment, as Abraham Lincoln called it in uh, 1863, of men ruling themselves, an experiment in freedom, has tried to be copied all over the world. But let me tell you something. Men cannot rule themselves without the influence of this book. It cannot, has not, and never will happen. Do you ever wonder about those things? You see, God created man in his own image. Man lived in a perfect environment. I believe what the Bible says about the Garden of Eden. And yet, what has man tried to do since the Garden of Eden? Recreate the perfect environment. Hadn't he tried to do that? Utopia. About the only place you experience that is on a trip. And we're not talking about the kind you get on an airplane. Uh... It's short-lived, my friend, and I I don't recommend those kind of trips on uh, psychedelic um, uh, drugs and alcohol and everything else that the world offers here. Man has always looked for an escape from reality because he knows he cannot have what God has already done. Now, we know the story in Genesis chapter 3, and let's just... Go back here to to verse 6. Well, let's pick up verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Now, what he did here, he had questioned God's word before. Now he out and out denies it. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, the devil is the father of all lies. And when you tell a lie, according to the Lord Jesus Christ, 
you're serving the devil. In fact, he told the Pharisees they were of their father, the devil, because he was a liar from the beginning. He was the originator of the lie. But I want you to turn down to the end of the chapter, verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, man has become as one of us to know good and evil. Now, wait a minute. Is God now confirming what the devil said? Well, it gets quiet real quick, doesn't it? Yeah, he is. You know what? The devil always wraps his lie in the shell of truth. Always. Have you ever met a bad liar? I mean, they just tell stories and you know. This is ridiculous. But a good liar always has a lot of truth in his lies. Isn't that true? But look what it says. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. You see, God had told Adam and Eve in, in chapter 2, For in the day that ye eat thereof, ye shall surely die. Adam and Eve ate in Genesis chapter 3. And yet they were still alive. Right? So most people take that. Some of you know where we're going with this. And it doesn't hurt to review now, does it? To be reminded that God is always correct in his words. You see, Adam and Eve did die that day. Not physically, but spiritually. When we get to Genesis chapter 5, and you can chase this out for yourself, compare the descriptions there. These are the generations of Adam. Adam was created in the image of God, and yet when Adam had a son, that son was in the image of Adam. There's a difference there. What was the difference? Man was no longer a trinity. He no longer had a soul, a body, and a spirit. He now had a soul and a body. God the Father, the soul. God the Son, Jesus Christ, the body. God the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, the spirit. How was man created in the image of God? Had a soul like God the Father. The real you that's inside of you. A body. That's what we all get caught up in. That's because we can see it. But when man was originally created, he had a spirit just like God had. When he sinned, that spirit died. And man could no longer have communion with God. You see, man now knew both good and evil. It's interesting that when man became like God to know both good and evil, 
he was eternally separated from God because he died spiritually. That's how the devil's lie works. It's not always right on the surface. It's underneath. You see, only God can know sin and not be destroyed by it. And so as we look at what happened in creation, we come to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, and probably one of the most argued about verses in the entire Scripture. It's interesting that it's in Genesis Verse 15 says, And I will put enmity between thee, talking about the serpent, look at verse 14, and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, if you like big theological terms, this is called the Proto-Evangelum, the pre-evangelistic message. There was a promise that God made. In fact, Eve in chapter 4, the book of Genesis, when a son is born, she said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. God is fulfilling his promise. And it was Cain. The first murderer. Now, let's just look at the verse here. It says, I will put enmity. Now, that word enmity means strife. It means war. It means destructive uh, a battle going on. And it's between thee, the serpent, and the woman. Now, you can't pick up a commentary and it says, this is why women hate snakes. Now, that is very deep theologically. Uh, I want to challenge you. There's probably as many women snake handlers out there as there are men. Uh, That's not what this is talking about. Did the snake all on his own decide to tempt Eve? No, I had little help now, didn't he? The devil chose to appear in the form of a serpent or to inhabit a serpent and use him. It says there's going to be a war between thy seed and her seed. Now, ladies, listen very closely or you're going to get really offended at pastor. Listen close. How did sin come into the world? Eve was deceived, was she not? And she actually led her husband... Now, he followed into disobeying God's laws. Now, someone said, well, that was, that's why God said, your desire is going to be unto the man and he's going to rule over you. It's all because, no, 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 no. The man didn't do his job. Adam didn't say a word. Adam should have spoken up. And so God corrected that and said, you're going to have to speak up, Mr. Man. 
from all generations. It's going to be your job. Now, I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I normally reserve this kind of teaching for Thursday nights, but in just covering God's plan, we, we've got to deal with some of these very difficult passages here. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy, I'm sorry. Now we start in verse 12. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, in charity, in holiness, with sobriety. Now, people have taken this verse and done some of the most, these verses and done some of the most bizarre things in the world with them. Now, what this is talking about is authority. They made a big row. The Episcopal Church just voted down again women bishops. Not, not women pastors of churches, but women bishops. And they're all upset about that. Inequality. Blah, 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 blah. I'll tell you what. That's not the issue. It is not about dictatorship. It's about care and protection. I could tell you the story of many women who wish that there was a man who would be a man and take care of them the way the Bible says. Unfortunately, we have a great shortage of that kind of man today. Amen? You see, God said, I'm going to put enmity between thy seed and her seed. She was, in, she was deceived by the serpent but it was going to be the child that was born of the woman that would destroy the serpent. And that's what Paul is referring to here. It's not that a woman's going to be saved because she had children. How many wicked women have had children and raised them to serve the devil? That's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is the fact that the tool that the devil used, the woman, to bring sin into the world was the same tool that God was going to use to bring redemption into the world. Ladies, are we all still together? Nobody's really mad at me yet? Well, get ready. No. Uh, what we're trying to do is teach what the Bible says. And the reason that God put man in charge is because he wants to protect ladies from the greatest danger that they face. The greatest danger you face, ladies, in this life is the temptation to try to be a man. It is the greatest temptation you face. And unfortunately in our world, 
Sometimes. My, my dad passed away when I was 14 years old. You know what? My mom had to do a lot of things that a woman ought not just have to do. But God will step in. And I can't tell you how many times in my life that God just brought a man into my life at the very moment I needed it the most. My principal in school. He he got a hold of me. He says, you can't go to the college you want to go to. It'll destroy you. I look back and I thank the Lord for Mr. Snowden saying, just having the, uh, the w- being willing to look me straight in the face and say, you just can't do what you want to do. You know what? My mom had tried to say that, but it just doesn't come out the same. Isn't that right? God had Brother Clayton in my life. Straightened me out when I got out of Bible college. You know, you got to get over that education sometimes. Ladies, there's an awful lot of reverence for motherhood, and there ought to be. But we do not worship Mary as the mother of God because she did not give life to God. She was the tool that God used to bring Jesus into this world. See, a woman does not have a seed. She does not have a a lineage that comes after her. But Mary did. Because Jesus was born without the intervention of a human father. You say, how could that be? Uh... Luke said, the Holy Spirit shall come upon thee. That's how that could be. We're not going to go any further than that because you don't need to. It was done through the power of God in fulfillment of his promise. It said that her seed would bruise the serpent's head and that the serpent would bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. Now, man has invented many, many different methods of capital punishment. But it is interesting, the only one I know about that bruises or crushes the heel is crucifixion. Your heels aren't hurt when you're hung, electric chair, beheaded, drawn and quartered, I mean, those are just a couple of the ways of capital punishment through the ages. But when they put that nail through your foot under the heel bone so that you rest upon the nail that, I mean, you just can't imagine the pain. But let me tell you something, the heel is bruised through crucifixion. But if that were your only injury, a bruised or crushed heel, would you get over it? Yes, the body can heal. But if you have a bruised brain, it's called a concussion. 
They are just now finding out how serious concussions are in high school football. Right? Let me tell you, the Bible tells us that he would bruise the head of the serpent. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus found a snake and stepped on it. What it means is that Jesus gave the death wound to the devil on Calvary's cross. And that's why Peter talks about the devil goeth about as a roaring lion. If you had time to study lions, when a lion has received its death wound, the, Bible, uh, the history tells us, people who have studied this thing, that there is nothing more fearsome in nature than a mortally wounded lion. It says he will not leave a living thing in his path from a blade of grass to whatever happens to be, and woe be to the man that gets in the way of a wounded lion. And there are many, many stories about hunters who lost their lives because they wounded Simba instead of giving him a death blow. But... The devil has received his death blow. He's just not dead yet. And as an eternal being, he will not die, but he will be kept into the lake of fire, the Bible tells us. Let's turn to the book of Galatians here. Galatians chapter 4. Getting a little ahead of myself, but let's start reading. Here in verse 4. In fact, let's do verse 3. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, the seed of the woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. This is the fulfillment of the promise given at the time when man fell into sin in Genesis chapter 3. Jesus was made under the law. That's why Mary was engaged to be married to Jesus. Because it wasn't lawful for a single woman just to bear a child. There had to be in and under the authority of marriage. But the Bible is very clear that Mary and Joseph had not consummated that marriage. They had not actually been physically married until the angel woke Joseph up in a dream and told him to go and to take Mary, his wife. And when Joseph did that, he protected her 
from all of the penalties of the law. Now, sometimes I wonder, I haven't read this in commentaries and things, but I wonder if there was no room for them in the end because of the gossip that was around Mary and Joseph's wedding and their marriage. Family talked about these things and don't believe that it didn't travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. I'll tell you the fastest way any information still travels is gossip. Much faster than the internet, much faster than anything that goes out there. If you want something to be broadcast around the world, just whisper it in somebody's ear. Isn't that true? God gave his law to Moses. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus was the only one who could have victory over the law, for he was the only man that ever lived that was never subject to its penalties, for he never broke the law. Somebody said, well, well, Jesus was a man. Yes. But you say Jesus is God. Yes. Uh, Wait a minute. Isn't that confusing? No. Jesus was both. He is God. He is man. You say, nobody believes that. Well, let me tell you, even the Orthodox Church spent about 400 years arguing back and forth. Uh, Finally, at the Council of Chalcedon, if you want to look it up, they agreed that Jesus is both 100% God and 100% man. Now, how in the world Jesus' church took 350 years to figure that out, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't his church. But it doesn't have to be his church to be right about some things. Amen? Listen, Jesus is God. He was born under the law, and he wants to give you and I his victory. Because that's the only place we can get it. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you were tempted to sin this week? Raise your hand if you were. Okay, if you weren't, you're dead. Or you're too busy sinning to even know that you're being tempted. I I hope that's not true of anyone here. But the simple truth of the matter is we're all being tempted to sin. Why doesn't it happen that when you get saved, you become sinlessly perfect and you never have to worry about it anymore? Wouldn't that be wonderful? But that's not God's plan. You see, God wanted to save you for a purpose. Amen? Have you ever met somebody that just had everything given to them? They never had to work a day in their life. They never had to strive for anything. They never had to stretch themselves in a classroom. Everything was just given to them. We have a term for that. We call them invalids. Because they can't do anything for themselves. And you know what? We need to take care of the invalids. But there is no excuse for a healthy person to be an invalid. Amen? 
And God saved us for a purpose. And I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. You see, God had a plan from creation. He knew that before the foundation of the earth that man would sin. And he gave that promise in Genesis chapter 3. He fulfilled that promise with the birth, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the God-man. And we come here to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Paul is explaining to the Corinthian church about the resurrections. Verse 16 says... For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, By man came also the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And all God's people said. Verse 23 says, But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward afterward they that are Christ at his coming, then cometh the end, When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. God's plan through the ages, that God may be all in all. God has given us the time that we live here on earth. To choose whether we're going to take this as God's word and his authority. Or we will turn from this to the fables of mankind. Tell you, man's come up with some pretty interesting fables. The world was on the back of a huge turtle crawling through the universe. Uh, I think the Hindu said the world was inside an egg and God hatched it. Um, All kinds of interesting things. None of them true, of course. But it says that Jesus is going to reign until he hath put all things, until God has put all things under his feet. That's not done yet. We've got some things to look forward to. When that happens, Jesus will then take the kingdom and all that is 
and bring it to the Father. And the goal is that God may be all in all. Someone, many, many people, not someone, many someones have said, well, the Bible's just full of all kinds of contradictions. You got this happening here, and this happening here, and this happening here, and Abraham sacrificed on a pile of rocks, and, and Solomon built a temple, and I mean, it just, let me, let me just explain this to you in, in a rather long sentence, but as simple as I can get it. God has proved that in every situation man could possibly find himself in, from the perfect, perfect sinless Garden of Eden to the horrors of the Great Tribulation in the book of Revelation, that man will choose to sin against God rather than obey his word. But God has promised and fulfilled and will yet finish all things according to his word. You know what? None of us can understand everything. But I believe you could understand the sermon this morning. And you've got to make a choice. Am I going to submit my soul to the words of this book and to the God of this book? Or am I going to go a different path? People say there are just many roads and they all lead to the same place. That's partially true. There are many roads. And the many roads all lead to the same place, which is destruction. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Will you choose the way? Or the ways might be a way to put it. Let's have our heads bowed. And Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer this morning. And we want to give you the opportunity to deal with our hearts and minds. We live in a world that just mocks Christ, mocks the Word of God, tries to marginalize anyone who would stand against their own false and fabricated ideals. Lord, our concern is not with those that refuse, but with those who are willing. We ask that you would work in hearts and souls, and that we would willingly surrender ourselves to you, that you may be honored and glorified in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation 296. Lord, I'm coming home. If you're not saved today, you can come home to the Savior.